You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, Lacrosse is at it again with a new line of lace-up hunting boots, the Navigator Series. And in that Navigator Series, there are two models. There's the Atlas for men and the Windrose for both men and women. To find out more information about this new Navigator Series, visit lacrossefootwear.com. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Yes, we are back. So welcome back, everybody, and and this is one of those episodes where I'm just I'm just jacked and excited to get into because I'm joined today by Dan Spangler of Pure Fishing, and you might have heard of Pure Fishing brands such as Berkeley Baits, uh, Shakespeare, and Abu Garcia, and Dan has a very unique story about how you know how he crafted and would make his own lures as a kid and how that landed him his dream job at Pure Fishing. And his story is very unique. You kind of hear his backstory, what he went to school for, and it might not be what you think he went to school for, being a lead engineer or senior engineer at Pure Fishing Brands, developing some of the most innovative and popular baits on the market today. And, uh, yeah, it's just one of those episodes where, you know, I think about, some of my own dreams and ambitions of one day, you know, working in the outdoor industry and things like that. And in the past that people take to get into the industry and Dan has a great perspective and I had a great time talking to him. He's a wealth of knowledge. I encourage you guys after listening to this episode to follow him, reach out and, and, and he'll, he'll tell you all some of the best baits on the market that he's been working with and he, he perfected and how he fishes them. So you'll hear during the episode, you know, he gets to talk and hang out with the pros who are help developing these baits as well. And he knows how to fish them, how they fish them. So you might want to grab your pen and paper on this episode, sit down, or if you're driving, you know, tell Siri to take a note because you're going to want to pay attention of what baits he talks about, how he fishes them, and uh, the name of the baits that you're going to want to go pick up next. So here's Dan. All right, I want to welcome Dan Spangler to the podcast. Dan, how's it going? Oh, it's great, great, perfect evening. Yeah, what's the weather like over there? You're in Iowa, right? Yep, I'm in Northwest Iowa, Spirit Lake. Um, yeah, it's probably about seventy degrees today. Oh, so you guys so, are getting that cooler weather weather too? Yeah, yep. Little little early fall, I guess, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the reason why I got Dan on the podcast today is Dan, tell everyone kind of your, your employment and what you do. Okay. So essentially I'm a, I'm a senior bait development engineer at uh pure fishing. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's primarily Berkeley, Abu Garcia, Shakespeare, um, those brands to name a few. Um, but, uh, I specifically develop design and uh work on baits related to the berkeley brand i've done some some baits for the johnson brand um so yeah I, i've i've developed fishing lures 
dude, that's, <clears throat> I think it's like everybody's dream job, but we're going to get into more right. of like how you got into doing that. But first tell everyone kind of like your background, uh, you know, growing up and, you know, have you, have you always been fishing your entire life? Yeah. So, I mean, I, there's a picture of me with a rod and reel in my hands and I, I mean, I, I'm sure it wasn't actually fishing, but I'm in a boat and I, and, and I, I have a rod and reel in my hands and I'm, and it says one year old. So <laughs> I can remember fishing all the way back until I was four. Um, but my dad and mom, they always took me fishing. We were always in the boat. My dad, he was a conservation director, um, in one of the counties up here. Um, so he, he instilled the passion for the outdoors with me at a very early time in my life in, in fishing and hunting. So I kind of took that up and I started actually developing fishing lures at a very early age. I think I started playing around with lures when I was nine, developed my first fishing lure when I was nine. It was a, it was an inline spinner that was developed from a paper clip and uh, a, a swivel, a, a blade and a bullet. Well, I think I said a bullet weight and a treble hook. So I uh, watched a lot of MacGyver growing up, I guess. So that was <laughs> That was that was my thing. The lure, the lure you described sounds kind of like a maps almost, right? Like a maps. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I saw those in my dad's tackle box, and I thought I'm I'm going to try to make one of these things, and I actually did catch a fish on it, and that led me to start thinking about wooden lures, and you know everybody who who is in the fishing industry thinks about baits, um, you know brand names like you know Rapala, you grew up with them, and and you you see these baits wobble. And my goal was to try to make a, a wooden lure wobble like something that you could buy at the store. So um, I set off that path. And, and, you know, right when I was about 10, I, I made my first wooden lure. And we had a horse tank in the backyard. And, you know, the horse didn't like it, but I kept some fish in there that I would catch. And I'd always be whittling down sticks with my pocket knife into various shapes. And, you know, it took me a while, but I eventually did get a bait that wobbled. It, it didn't look very good, but, um, I did that and I started expanding and, and, and getting into different shapes. So I think by the time I was 13 or 14, I had probably 25 different wooden lures under my belt. Did they each have their own names? Um, you know, I did have goofy names. For them. I, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you, I couldn't even tell you what they were, but yeah, they did have weird names. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just had one of those little hobby paint kits and I would paint them up and yeah, name them. And yeah. Did your dad try them? Uh, my dad didn't try them. Um, my friends and I did, and we caught a couple of fish on them. Um, you know, learned a lot, learned a lot about what fish would, how they related to lures. You know, I'm, when we fished, my, my, my parents would drop me off the local gravel pits and we would fish there for hours, it seemed. I don't know if it really was hours, but it seemed like hours. And I would always watch what fish would do. And I'm a grass is greener on the other side kind of guy. So I would I would spend my time studying how the fish would react to baits. And I always thought, if I'm catching 20 doing it this way, I could catch 40 doing it this other way by changing up my lures. So I, I learned to adjust lures and kind of put things together Um when I was out fishing those lakes with my friends. So we, we tried the lures and they were okay, but it wasn't really until high school, late high school, I started getting into it a little bit more. And then I went out to South Dakota state and, uh, per, to pursue a fisheries degree and I ended up getting my master's in fishery. And I always thought I was going to be a, a fish biologist. And I was actually offered a fish biologist job out in the state of South Dakota, out in the capital and pier. And, uh, 
you know, I actually turned it down because on my way back, um, Dr. Keith Jones at Berkeley, he, he called up, I'd already applied and said interest to, to Berkeley. And he said, how would you like a job designing and developing hard baits and, and, and spinner baits for the company? And I said, yes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. How did, how, did he just know that you grew up making your own lures or like, how did that happen oh, from, a, so, from a fisheries so, degree? So what happened is, you know, in fisheries degrees, I, you know, there's guys that work who have fisheries degrees. So that's cool to tell everybody that, you know, you don't have to just be an engineer to get a job that I have. So, you know, here I thought I was going to be a fisheries biologist. I was making lures. And, and that's the one thing I didn't mention is in college, I, I made over 100 different lures. And, uh, you know, I'd test them all over in the local ponds and they caught, I caught nice smallmouth, five pound smallmouth, uh, 27, 28 inch walleyes on these things. And I said, I can do this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I would do everything. I would take little spinner rig built or spinner rig blades, like a number five Colorado I found. And if I could bend that and I could, and I could assemble it to a lure, I could make it wobble just like you know, really good crankbaits. And I refined this until they were, they would work and catch fish and I would test them. So I just ended up reaching out because I grew up around here. Um, so Spirit Lake, Iowa, it's about 25 miles from where I grew up in Ocheedon, Iowa. And I'd always wanted to work here. It's always been my dream job to work and make fishing lures. Um, so I had reached out to a guy that worked here and he passed on my information and, you know, Dr. Keith Jones was the head of fish research at the time, and he reached out to me after hearing about what I did and my passion for it. So I, I had an interview and I got the job. Dude, I love that story. Did you bring any of your, your lures to him to be like, hey, this is what I've been working on in the past so he could kind of see that you were, you know, you know, all in on this thing? Yeah, I'm glad you asked because I did bring lures to the interview. I almost didn't. I'm like, uh, is, this, is this something I don't do? But I'm like, I, I have one shot at this and it's my dream job. I'm going to show them what I've done on my own, completely independent of anybody else teaching me. And I brought all my lures in, in, uh, in a bag. I think I had three Plano boxes full of these baits and I showed him and, and, you know, everybody was like, well, it seems like you're a hands-on kind of guy. That's what we're looking for. And, you know, I tried to be creative and, and create some different shapes and actions of baits that, that, that are not out there today and be different. And it is hard to be different. Uh, as you probably know, being in the fishing tackle industry, a lot of shapes are the same. Um, so he looked at them and, and he said, uh, he, he asked me a question. He's like, how did you make these scales in this, in this bait? And I, and I jokingly just said, well, that's, that's uh, confidential. I can't tell you. And I thought <laughs> he would laugh and he actually didn't laugh. Oh, so he didn't? then I ended up telling, <laughs> no, I, I ended up telling him how I did it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you really so, want to know? Okay. Well, here's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Dude, that's a great story. You know, I, I mean, even before talking to you, this was the first time I, that's my fault, but I just assumed that you were an engineer of some sort. And I was going to ask you what kind of engineering degree you got. Nope. No engineering degree here. Um, I'm, I'm titled an engineer, but you know, I, I think the things I do are things that an engineer would do. But again, if you have the passion and desire, I think you could do this job with any background. Um, you know, you could, you could really, you could really hone in the detail on your own by self-educating yourself and long in the process. You know, there's a lot of things with processing dates and all that, that, you know, we can get into later, but, um, it, 
you know, you you can have several different degree fronts to be able to do this job, which I think is a really neat part of it. In fact, we just had, we just, I just reached out, um, I think on social media, uh, for a position for a bait implementation engineer. And again, that doesn't have to be an engineer type, you know, degree to get that, that role. So, you know, we're always looking for people who are avid anglers, understand the fish, um, you know, those are the kind of things. And in our, I think we build our company based off passionate anglers. You know, that's great to hear because like <clears throat> myself, I'm in sales, uh, medical device sales, but, uh, you know, you always wonder, like, you always have that dream sometimes of like, you know, merging your passion and like trying to find your career and, you know, with your passion and like some folks from the outside, you always think that like, you have to have this highly specialized degree or, uh, you know, experience and stuff like that. So I guess that's refreshing to hear that, you know, Berkeley's out there giving, they're just baby, basically looking for folks who a love the fish, but B want to want to be involved in fishing, you know, all the time and w- with their careers. Yep. And, and make a difference in, in the product that we, for sure. we develop. So that's, that's one of the big things that we can, we can talk about, but you know, when we do and develop a bait, you know, my goal I don't even care, you know, how much money I get paid to be here. All I care about is making the best baits in the industry. Because again, it's my dream to be making these baits and seeing somebody take a bait that, that I worked on or developed off the shelf and catch fish on them is the most rewarding experience you could ever ask for. So those are the things that drive me. It it isn't about money. It isn't about anything like that. It's about just just getting baits in people's hands that they can catch fish and they can take their kids out and have a great time. Yeah. <clears throat> Not only the, the tournament anglers that you're help winning, you know, big prize money for, I'm sure they're, so they're using some of your baits. Well, actually I know they are. And, but like you said, the everyday angler, the weekend angler, you know, if those baits are performing and, you know, increases the hook rates or the, you know, the catch rates for little kids, that's what's going to keep them in the sport and keep our sport alive too. You bet. Exactly. So, so you get to this, so you go from your garage and basically making these baits on by yourself in your spare time. Now you go to a big company and you've got the backing of, you know, like a Berkeley and things like that. How is, how is that process or how is that the resources open to you? Um, you know, what's your perspective like going from basically your, your hobby into a, a big company backing you, um, with the research and the financing that you need? I think it completely changed my view of fishing lures. You know, I came into it thinking kind of what most people do. It's a guy who, or, or a girl who, who are making these baits and they pull them through the water and they say, that's good. What really put the challenge to me is you got to make baits really, really good. And we have a great team. I mean, my, uh, my boss, um, he, he, uh, has, has a tremendous amount of, uh, knowledge in the fishing tackle industry. Um, and then I work with a, with a lady named Kelly and, uh, she, she does all of our CAD drawings, CAD design. So working with, with her every day, um, working with talented individuals to help us get the right product, get it right. Um, because we, we, we obviously have a very research driven mentality when it comes to, to developing product and, we have a state of art, a state of the art research facility right at our hands. We have a, we have a fish research pool where it, it allows us to understand fish behaviors towards different attractants, you know, power bait, gulp, max scent, those things. 
You know, it took years to filter out the right attractant packages with laboratory fish. And, you know, we can use the fish and they can tell us what's right. So that stuff just blows my mind when I first walked in the door to have, you know, firsthand accounts of these things actually happening and what we can do to make baits better. Um, we have a, we have a casting lab where we test the actions of baits. Um, we have a tank that's like 60 feet long. It's like a swimming pool has an underwater cave view. It's like the sea world of baits. You can cast your baits out and you can get an underwater perspective, the underwater world of a fishing lure, if you will. And then really the icing on the cake for me is, is this, uh, flow tank. And basically you, you can put a bait in there in kind of a static position, but the water flows around it. And, um, with a, what's that? Oh, so it's like you're reeling it in kind of thing. Like the, like you got the action of the water and the bait, but it's just kind of based off of the current. Okay. Yep. So, um, you, you put the bait in there and you can really microanalyze a lure. So once we feel good about a prototype or something like that, we'll put it in the flow tank and that's where we really dial in the actions of the bait. We can look at competitors. We can look at our, our pro- prototypes and we can make sure they're just perfect. And, and we have a whole log, a whole slew of research around bait actions that no one will ever see. It's, it's locked up forever. Um, and it's tough being a, a research guy to not think about, Oh, what if this stuff was out there publishing? That was what I was driven towards in college. But, um, it's pretty cool having secrets too that nobody else knows about. Well, sure, yeah, you can't show all your cards, right? You gotta right slowly roll, oh, yeah. slowly roll them out and perfect them, right? What 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 you might think is, you know, could be on the market, and uh, you know, you got to make sure it's perfect. And that's that's a good thing about you know Berkeley. I noticed their lures a lot in the to- a lot of the time is they don't release something unless it's perfect. Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> so. So can you just break down the lure development process and like, if you could bullet point it, like, all right, so how does it start? Does it start with an idea and then goes to, you know, you guys, you know, maybe it gets back to you, you know, hand making them and then from there mass producing them or how how does that work? Right. So it's, it's pretty similar. Um, it's pretty expansive. Um, so what happens is the team, both, uh, you know, our brand guys, um, in, in R and D team, we'll get together and we have a list of projects that we think will be good for the company and we'll start working on them. And when we, when we have a program, we think of, we always like to pair our baits with a pro, okay. um, you know, pros bring the product credibility and pros, let's be honest, they're on the water 230 some days out of the year, you know, extensive amounts fishing products. They know the competitor market in and out. They know what baits work best. So we, we like to pair with top pros and we like to bring them in house. And that's when, that's when we really start generating the ideas. We'll start with the concept phase. That's essentially, that'd be the bullet point. Number one concept phase. What do you want the shape to be? What type of shape do you want it to be a fat wide action crankbait? Or do you want it to be a tight action crankbait, like a flicker shad that looks more like a bait fish. Um, from that point, you look at things like dive depth. Obviously, that's one of the critical things. If you're trolling for walleyes and you're out in Lake Erie, you want to hit, you want baits to hit certain target depths. If you got the greatest bait ever and it doesn't reach the levels where the fish are, it doesn't even matter because it's it's not going to catch any fish. So, those are the things that we think about: uh, buoyancy, you know, suspending jerk bait, floating, sinking, um, slow rise. We think about that stuff. And at that point, then once we feel like we're confident in what we want the shape to be, we'll start designing it. Sometimes it'll be on paper. Sometimes it'll be just a general 
take this lure from A and and glue a bill on from B. A lot of times it's not that, but it can be that. Um, but we'll we'll come up with these shape ideas and then um, we'll design them with uh, with uh, Pro Engineer or or um, our CAD system, and we'll get the shapes right. We like to have the pros there. We get the idea of what we think is going to be a good bait. Once we feel confident in the design, essentially, then we'll move to making prototypes. So we have a, a very rapid and fast way of making prototypes in-house. And we can run through 10, 12 prototypes a day, different shapes, like completely different shapes. Basically, so, just like writing off some, like oh, that doesn't work. So then it kind of narrows down yep. the pool of what you choose from. <clears throat> Yep, and it's very intense. When we have these pros in, I mean, sometimes it's it's five straight days of nonstop just baits working back and forth out baits. Um, if the prototype's not right, I got my Dremel tool back there, my old school Dremel tool. That's one thing that I'll tell you from my days of making baits in college. That thing did not escape me. <laughs> that thing has followed me all the way here. But I mean, we use it to to adjust the bill shapes and. You can do a lot, a, a lot with a little with that, uh, you know, using things like a Dremel tool. Um, but we'll refine the baits until we're, we feel like the bait's good in our casting tank. And that's where you get the general angler perspective of the bait, what it does in the water. Does it track good? It's action in the, the thump or vibration feel right. Buoyancy, all that. Once we get it dialed in there, um, that's when we start going to that flow tank that I was telling you about. That's where we really dial in the lures action. Okay. We'll put it up against like the top competitor. Maybe the top competitors won a lot of tournaments in the past, or it's an old forgotten lure that was really good, but no one knew about it. And we'll compare it to ours, or we just compare the, um, the, the lure we have with our knowledge. I mean, I've been doing this for nine years. I know a lot about bait actions and I mean, I pretty much made every type of lure you could think of for a body shape and hard bits at this point. <laughs> so we use that background knowledge and expertise, and um, we can actually quantify different different actions. So one important thing with the flow tank is it's not just one action. Like, it's not just a bait rolling right, and you think, oh, this thing's got a good side roll. It's, the bait is done. It's actually many different access points in a bait, many different attributes working together at one time to give you the right action so you know you you can't just focus on one or two different things everything has to create a fine balance and we can mathematically with models come out with these these actions and um it's really neat to see and we can actually have several different versions that we think are good in the lab once we think they're good we'll either subject them to uh laboratory tests where we have fish in in-house naive fish that have never seen a bait raised completely in a hatchery, never seen a bait. Oh wow! And we'll subject these, these fish to these baits going around in, in different treatments, all standardized process. Um, and essentially we'll let the fish tell us what they like, you know, do they like the competitor or they, do they like ours? And guess what? If they like the competitor more, we got to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> but once we feel good about what the fish tell us, we'll take it out in the field and do the rest. And a lot of times we'll field test baits for, you know, one full year, try to get that full season perspective. It can't be just good in the spring or the fall, right? It's got to be good over a prolonged period to be right. Right. Is there a, so is there a bait where like you were working on and it became almost damn near obsessive for you where like you'd go home and you're trying to tweak it the right way. And then 
that moment where it comes together in the tank or it's being used out in the field and you got a call from a pro and it's like, Hey Dan, you, you guys nailed it. Can you think of a bait where, or one or a project that sticks in your mind that's on the market now? Um, uh, yeah, there's a lot, uh, most of them, most of them. I'm always thinking about the bait uh-huh. ideas come in anywhere, you know, I'll be at home at night or I'll be in, in dreams. I've literally had ideas come into my dreams. <laughs> People think that's weird when I tell them that, but it's, it's the truth, man. And, um, you know, I think, I think a couple of them are, are flicker projects where we really focus on the action right. and the, the proof is in the product itself. Um, we, we had Corey Sprangle, actually a good friend of mine. Um, he, he actually tabulated all the major tournament wins we've had on the flicker family and it's, it'll blow your mind. It's, it's 40 major walleye tournament victories. And that includes PWT, NWT, um, MWC, you know, aim, all that. Um, so it's 40 major tournament victories, five championships, including a crappie masters national championship that Scarless won and countless top tens. So I think right there, that's pretty rewarding (laughs) to think of a product line that can do that. Um, it's pretty awesome. So I would say the other one would be the snap jigs, snap jigs, Berkeley snap jigs. Those are you know, we were just talking about glide baits, right? And the popularity of Rapala jigging wraps and moonshine shiver minnows. They're popular right now and they, they catch fish, they win tournaments. Oh yeah. So my colleague and I were, were talking one day and we were like, how do we, how do we do this? You know, how do we make something that's different? And we talked about making versions like those, but in the end I thought of an idea where we could take all of our plastics you know, power bait or gulp, and we could actually have a platform that would allow the scent and flavor. You know, the the main thing that drives Berkeley are our power bait attractant, um, and and apply those to a to a jig. So I, you know, it seems easy when you think of the snap jig, but it wasn't. I mean, no one came out with it before, but it, it literally is a game changing jig, and it, it's the only jig out there that will dart laterally in the, in the water column like a glide bait. Um, so that, that is probably one of my favorite projects that I've worked on, worked on it with Corey Sprangle to perfect it. But I mean, you could put a three inch twitch tail minnow on there and you can change colors, but it's got the, it's got the action of those glide baits. And, and I like it because it, you can do different things with it. It's lighter weight. You can cast it into the weed lines and, and fish these baits where you couldn't fish other glide baits. Um, you can vertically fish it. I 90, 95% of the time I'm casting it. It's so much fun because you can walk the dog with a jig and plastic and you just couldn't do that before. And it'll dart three, two to three feet each way. It's pretty cool. Well, like you said, it's the best. Have you tried them? Yeah, I have. I was just about to comment on it. I said, it's the best of both worlds. You got that hard and soft plastic merger basically. But the other thing I was going to comment on too was I thought it worked good for ice fishing. Okay. And I haven't tried it for that. Yeah. You know? So that's cool to hear. Yeah. You know, like you said, vertical jigging them and things like that, you know, you're not, well, you're not changing your bait out all the time, or you could also throw live bait on there too, if you had to, you know what I mean? Just clip it on there yeah. uh, 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 off the back. But yeah, I think, I, I think that, you know, when I look at Berkeley lures, they're very, um, you can tell a lot of thought goes into them. Like they're always thinking out your, you guys are always thinking outside the box and, you know, the, the lures that like one thing that was eye opening to me was I was at ICAST this year, 2019 and how, yep. pa- and how packed your guys's booth was with lures and 
um, you know, guys like yourself out there explaining lures and just having crowds around you as you're explaining these lures and guys were just, you know, guys and gals were just so, you know, tuned into what you guys had going on. It, it seems like there's a lot of excitement around your guys' booth. Yeah, it, it was a big turnout. I think it was probably the most packed booth of anywhere in ICAST, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to think of the other ones. I mean, there's big brand names there and we were always packed with people. I mean, and that was in an, in amongst meetings all throughout the day with pros trying to figure out the next projects, you know, so, and in, in testing or talking about the products that we're working on today. And, you know, the pros told me that I needed to revise a bunch of stuff. So that was good. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good that you can always improve on your craft. Right. So when you, so you, these pros take these prototypes and things like that out in the field and things like that. I mean, obviously I'm sure you have their, their numbers. Are they texting you and being like, Hey, Dan, this thing's doing great. This is what I found out. All that kind of stuff. I mean, to get, you're probably basically getting live feedback as they're on the water testing these things. Yeah. So, yep. I'm constantly on the phone or texting pros. You can ask my wife. Sometimes she's not a huge fan of that, but, um, she, she knows how it goes, but, um, and, uh, she's totally supportive of it by the way, it's, uh, but, but, uh, I am on, I am on quite a bit with these guys. Um, but it's, again, these, these guys are more than just pros. I, they're my friends now. I, I can't, I can't say good enough things about, I mean, these things, these guys are great and, uh, they really do care about the lures being the best uh, out there. Um, you know, anywhere from working with, you know, Gary Parsons, Keith Kavice and the Flicker family, uh, Sprangle with walleyes. Um, you know, in the bass world, I've worked, I've worked a lot with David Fritz, okay. crankbait, the crankbait king for bass. Um, and recently I started working with, with some other guys like Gary Klein. We do a lot with terminal tackle. Um, he's helped us a lot with our fusion 19 brand. Um, you know, these guys are, they have such a knowledge bank and, and to be able to reach in and just take stuff out of their knowledge bank is pretty awesome. And one of the cooler texts I got recently was right before Edwin Evers won the MLF championship, the tour championship the other day. I don't know if you saw that blowout, but it was, it was amazing. I seen, but I seen you post did. about it. I didn't get a chance to check it out yet though. I seen you post about it the other day though. Yeah. I mean, what he did out there, I mean, it's historic. I don't think there's ever been a fishing tournament where somebody ran away like that. Um, but you know, he was texting me a couple of days before he was fishing this bait called the Berkeley hijacker. That's one of our new topwater baits. And the thing about that is we have three different topwater walking baits that we launched last year. Two are kind of the traditional spook shaped baits uh, called jaywalkers with knockers. But this bait is a fish shaped walking bait that I, I spent, I don't know, we had over 20, 28 different working body shape designs to try to get this thing right. But the goal was to make the most easy to walk topwater bait of all time in a fish shaped body. And we did that. I mean, you can walk it and and swim it. If you, if you twitch and just reel it consistently, it'll swim on the top like a wake bait. Um, but I want it to be so easy. A kid could, could fish it right from the beginning. It's called, the, what's it Edwin called again? Beck, the Berkeley jaywalker. Is that right? Berkeley, Berkeley hijacker. Hijacker. And, okay. and yep. And Edwin Evers texted me right two days before the event and said, I caught 50 on this thing and I've only been out here for like three or four hours. So <laughs> it's a, it's a good bait when you have a guy like that, tell you it's good that nothing is better than that. Oh yeah. I'm looking at it right now online. It does just look like a, like, like a minnow bait or something like that. 
Yep. Yeah. And it, I mean, I don't, how often do you bass fish? Do you bass fish mostly walleye or? I'm mostly a walleye guy. Um, bass fishing, what I do probably is more uh, smallmouth and clear water. Like northern Michigan yep. is typically where I where, where I reside at, up in like the Traverse City area, up on the bays up there. So a lot of the times right. we're using just like the soft plastics and stuff like that. And I don't do yep. too much top water up there. Yep. So, um, but if you ever find yourself in a situation where you want to use top water, that it's a great walking bait. I have to remember that. Usually in June around here in Michigan is, is top water time, and, and typically that's when I'm throwing the poppers and things like that. But I'll have to check this hijacker out. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, check it out, please. Um. Okay, so I want to get back to some of the other the other lures that that you think would be worth knowing about. Maybe for as we go into uh, the fall time here, and 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 things that you would like to talk about or. Maybe if folks listening to this have, haven't heard about or might want to check out for maybe both bass yeah. and walleye. So one bait in particular, and this is this has been my favorite bait that I've ever developed at, at Berkeley, but it's called a, a cutter, a shallow cutter ninety. And so this is a suspending jerk bait. I'm a jerk bait freak. I, you know, all the way through late high school and college, I fished jerk baits, whether they were X wraps or Lucky Craft pointers, which were 16 bucks a bait, right? Right. Um, you know, with this bait, I wanted to bring the best of all the jerk baits into one bait. And these are, I think, $7.95 retail. But it's so it's a shallow cutter 90. We have a lot of different cutters, but the shallow 90 cutter is the one that I, I fished in the spring. And I, I go out wader fish with my brother-in-law and friends. And I mean, the, the bait is magical. It's compact. It casts great in the wind. So if you're fishing in the spring or the fall and you know that wind rolls in, yep, it, it'll cast and it casts good and straight into the wind. What, I, what I've been able to do with this is through field testing, I've honed in a couple different techniques myself that are different than normal jerkbait, what a normal jerkbait angler would employ. So these these techniques would consist of um, basically you cast the bait out and you reel it down to the desired depth. But instead of jerking with your rod tip low, if I'm fishing five to seven feet of water, my thought is I, I want to keep that bait in front of the fish's head because for years I would twitch it down and you know, the success wasn't as good. I'll fish right there amongst several other people and they'll be doing the same stuff. But what I do is I'll actually snap my rod tip up two to three times, almost as hard as setting the hook. And if you watch this in the tank, so I have the benefit of watching it in the, in the tank at the research lab, right? Yeah. The bait darts further. It's more lively and it stays in that upper top part of the water column. You're keeping the bait above the walleye's head. So, um, using this technique, I've, I've caught so many fish between 27 and 29 inches. I mean, and these aren't big great lakes fish. I, I know that these, but these are, these are big for inland South Dakota lakes. You know, and we catch a lot of them. We catch a lot of numbers of them. I think my best night um, that I had, just me myself, I caught eight fish between 27 and 29 inches in a three-hour span with this bait, and it, it the fish just crushed it. So, you know, I've I've been able to duplicate that every year. I've tested this bait, the same thing, different colors. You know, try different things, but it's phenomenal. And so, looking into the fall window, jerk bait bites come back into play again. So. You know, I, I would I would challenge anybody to go try our jerk bait against anybody's. And uh, you know, this fall when the walleyes come to play again up shallow, go out and throw this bait, and I think you'll be impressed. Um, the other great thing is, 
the action, the way we built this bait, I changed the bill. It doesn't look like a normal jerk bait bill. It's not a rounded lip. It's actually a coffin lip. So what that allows the bait to do is dart further distance with minimal rod tip movement. So um, if you do want to fish it slow, which sometimes I like to let the, ba- the bait hang there a long time, um, it, it just helps you get a little bit more action with a little bit less rod movement. So, um, But this fall, <clears throat> check it out. It's the, the shallow cutter 90. So getting back to the technique real quick, you said that when you cast it out, you're going to rip it down, get it down to the desired depth that you want to, whether that's, you know, right around five to seven feet. Um, yep. And as you mentioned, you know, folks listening, this is the fall time. So the, the walleye and, and bass are going in towards the shallows more to feed. And, right. and you said that you, you rip it up kind of like you're like popping, Snap. you're snapping it back up with your rod tip up though. Yep. I snap my rod tip straight up. Okay. Almost like setting the hook. It's harder. You wouldn't believe it until you see it, but I snap it up like I'm setting the hook almost. And uh, I would say not quite as hard, but um, you can get a feel for it. But the bait's not going to jump out of the water on a long cast. And it's going to, and then I'll, I'll stop with a five to second, five to 10 second pause. The main thing is, again, this is kind of like what we think with our research. Let the fish tell you what they like. Right. I don't go out there with just, I'm going to do this. And if they don't bite this, then they're not biting. I vary up my retrieve. <clears throat> Sometimes I'll employ different techniques. The other technique that's that's unique to jerkbait fishing that I think I've you know I've kind of spearheaded myself is is this other technique. It's I'll cast it out and I'll twitch my bait off to the side, just normal jerkbait twitches. But then instead of just letting it pause, I'll drag my rod back like I'm dragging a jig, and I'll, I'll basically fish from. You know, keeping my line tight, I I like to eliminate the slack in case you get a small hit. But basically from that 10 o'clock position, I'll drag my bait to about a 12 o'clock position. And what it does is the bait is darting left and right. And then all of a sudden, it instead of just sitting there, it transitions into a nice swimming motion. And it goes about 6 to 12 inches. Okay. And I don't think the fish are, they they just really haven't seen stuff like that before. So I'm always looking for an edge in my technique and... I crush them doing that too. So between that, fishing like a regular jerk bait, ripping the rod tip up, the kind of twitch, twitch drag, um, those are those are my three top techniques when I'm fishing jerk baits. I bet you this would be killer right at dusk too for walleye as that as that sun's getting down a little bit and they're kind of feeling that with their lateral line, you know what I mean? Kind of feeling that <clears throat> that action of the fish and stuff like that. I feel like this bait's going to stick out from what else is in the water around it too. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. And the cool thing about our, our bait is it has a little high pitch rattle. And, and uh, I think that's also important because these fish with a jerk bait, you can't sus- let these things pause long enough. I mean, think about this. Clear water, these fish can see, they can hear, they can feel these baits. Um, a lot of times people fish them too fast. Let the fish come to you. There's so many times that I've caught 28-inch walleye and I let, it, I let the bait sit there for 30, 40 seconds. So you know that fish just has to visually commit to the bait. So those things are interesting, and it's painful to fish that way sometimes. Um, but sometimes you catch them. So when you when you're ripping this back, is that say, is that is this bait staying staying suspended, right? Because it's not like floating yeah, up yep. at, a, at a fast rate or anything like that. Like you said, it's yep. it's just kind of staying right there in that water column. That's where you're getting that those longer pauses to keep it in front of their face longer. 
Yep. It's a suspending jerk bait. Yep. And when I fish it, I do like the fish fluorocarbon on it just to give myself a little advantage. I've fished jerk baits in crystal clear water though, where I have my fire line tied direct, my eight pound. Uh-huh. And I didn't notice a difference to be honest when it's at night, at night, but during the day I, I have to have fluorocarbon on. So. And that was going to be my next question was what line were you, were you tying to these, these baits? And that makes sense, right? So you know, the fluorocarbon when it's, when it's sunny out and you got the clear water going on and, you know, I always got fire line in my boat too. So that's, that's something I never, never not yep. have, you know, reeled up somewhere. But my next question to you is where do you see the, the tackle or the lure industry going, you know, in the future and, and what trends are you guys typically seeing start to pop well, up? I just think everybody's getting better. Um, and, and, and that's not to say people weren't good before. Everybody has had great product for years, but it's just pushing where everybody is pushing each other to be better. And, you know, I don't think of competitors out there as enemies at all. I think of them as we're trying to make the best fishing lures in the industry collectively. And, and I have just a different thought about it. So we all push ourselves to come up with product that, that are better in going to the events like ICAST, you'll know a lot of people are friends. A lot of people, there's a lot of former Berkeley people that are working at different companies. So it's, it's kind of neat, but I think the industry is going to, uh, you know, a place that we're going to have baits that are very advanced. And, you know, when I think of our baits, we're advanced in terms of making, uh, the right actions and, and having uh, proven results where the fish tell us, yes, okay. The, the action of this bait is good. So the data supports what, the, what we're hearing and, and seeing in the field with our pros. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have that, that level with what we do that a lot of people don't know. A lot of people see our baits and they're like, it's just a hard bait. What they don't realize is we use data science, math, and field testing to ensure that it validates everything we see in the lab to make it right. And that, you know, that's where we stand out from everybody else. I think we're different. And we got the facility to do that. Um, but, you know, others others have different cosmetics and different levels of realism to, that really make some nice-looking baits. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm anxious to see where, where it lands 10 years from now because growing up and just being obsessed with fishing lures and tackle and working retail, I've seen a lot change in a very short window of time. And I think everything's going to be crazy real looking in the next 10 years. It's, it's great to hear that because like us as anglers want you guys to be competing with one another. You know what I mean? Like obviously in a, in a friendly manner, but it's like, that's pushing technology and to keep, you know, you know, it keeps tackle companies on their toes and, you know, holds them accountable to keep up with the industry and the trends as well of what's working and and what's out there. And, you know, that's, that's great to hear. It's with anything though, in the fishing industry, whether it's a, you know, rod technology or motor technology, trolling motors. I mean, we've seen that this year, right at 2019 ICAST, the trolling motors that came out, you know, that was one thing that we talked about on a a previous podcast is, you know, pushing each other and all these companies, uh, you know, coming out with newer technologies to be more efficient and cost conscious. And I mean, there's just so much going out there, kind of like the trends that you see in a lot of things in the world and whether it be consumer products, automobiles, whatever, it kind of goes through everything, right? Fishing industry follows similar trends with, um, you know, the latest and greatest. And obviously things are getting more, more pricey, but at the same time, it's, 
it, it's making our, our time on the water a lot more enjoyable and, 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 and more efficient too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you nailed it with, with some of the electronics that, that, that are out there today. It just blows my mind to think about these things. Oh and my God. To be able to see if it act, I, I, I still can't even believe some of the stuff that's going on in the last couple of years. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's good to see. And it's like at the same time, like, you know, the first to market and you kind of see some of these prices, you're like, ah, hopefully I'm going to give it a few years. If there's a few more on the market to drive <laughs> the price down a little bit. Well, <laughs> That's what I think too. I'm like, where can I get a deal on these things? I got to wait, I guess, a while. Yeah, I think that like the Garmin trolling motor costs more than my my tiller boat that I have. So I was like, ooh, that's that's a bad sign when the trolling motor costs more than the whole boat. <laughs> yeah, you and me, buddy. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't have the fanciest boat, but you know, for me, I look at it like it gets it gets the job done. So well, like the like the like the um the cutter shallow shallow uh bait that you were just talking about you don't have to be in a boat right. to pitch those you can be you can go out there and waiters like you said when it when the sun's setting and things like that and go out there and get a great education about how these fish are reacting just by standing in the water you don't have to be in a boat so that next time that you are on a boat and you do have you know the means to to go elsewhere in the lake you're going to be so much more yep. educated and more you know deadly with that arsenal in your your bag because you're like i know it works in three to seven feet of water you know that's where those fish are hanging out yep and i you know i I just think about that stuff and relate it back to you know my background as a fish biologist you know i think about how what what the fish do fish movements time of year spawn pre-spawn post-spawn what they're going to be foraging on and honestly that's that's where i figured out this jerkbait thing you know i thought about it it's for me, it's post-spawn when I can really get the number. When the fish, think about it, the fish lose all of those eggs. They have to quickly get their energy resources yeah. back up. What do they do to do that? They put the feed bag on. Oh, so yeah. it is one of the most explosive, fun times of walleye fishing ever. And you can catch them during the day or night. It's just so fun. And, uh, yeah, it's – but being old piece, everything together in lures, too, it's the same. Like, think about things in, in, in what fish do – and the fish biology and how they would respond differently to different live prey items and, and try to integrate that stuff in the fishing tackle industry. Yeah. I think sometimes <clears throat> too, when you're going out on the water, like you're saying, a lot of folks are so anxious to get out on the water. It's like, what is your plan of attack here? Are you even thinking like the fish are thinking this time of year? Like you said, when it gets re- relates back to fish biology, what are they doing? You know, and, yep. and you've got a very unique, education from not only studying that full-time in school, but also your passion of building these, these, uh, these baits. And it's like, you've kind of landed in the perfect career to, 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 you know, marriage the two basically. Yeah. And the only overwhelming part is I have so many lures now in my boat. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, I want to, I, I know I go out and, and I'm thinking about the lure I want to use. And I'm like, I want to use this, but then I open my box and I'm like, oh, I want to use all these. What do I do? So picking the the first lure, like, man, think about it. We, we came out with 16 topwater shapes last year. So most, most of the time growing up fishing topwater, I had a popper and a walking bait. Now I have 16 different things. I have to figure out what I want to try. <laughs> Not only that, but you know, I'm on such a more in depth level. It's like, it's like probably some that you want to work more than others, but you know, you just, got to let the fish tell you what they want right it's it's hard one of my favorite baits right now is actually the chapo 
um, which is a prop tail lure. Those things have been around for a long time. Um, it, you know, the top Raider was, is a great example. And, and of course they have the whopper plopper. Um, but you know, it's, it's our take on it. And it, it's so fun to fish a bait like that. The strikes are so explosive, but the bait is just foolproof. You just cast it out and retrieve it in and you can, you can change it up and stop and go and all that. But I mean, if you want something that's so easy, but yet so fun, I I'm hooked on that bait right now. I cannot take it off. <laughs> So it gets too cold and then the walleyes bite again. Yep. There you go. Yeah. That's like I said, if you can't decipher through it, hopefully you guys make it easier for us guys who don't know as much as you do to make it, to make easy decisions. Yep. <laughs> um, well, Hey man, I would just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. This has been great. I think, you know, your story is, is one that I hope resonates with, a lot of young anglers out there, whoever wants to get into this industry, there's, you know, I've talked about it a lot on, on, on past uh, podcasts and things like that. It's like, there's so many more avenues and, and, and ways to make a living and, you know, to be involved in the fishing industry and your story definitely resonates to that. Oh, thanks Lee. I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. Hey, so you said that you do have that job posting on there. Maybe I can drop a link to the folks for that. They can uh, go check it out. Well, right now I actually took it off because they're doing the interview process for that job. So oh, okay. <laughs> unfortunately right. that, that one is, is passed, she but, gone. um, there, there will be other positions opening up. And, uh, so just keep an eye out for those. Um, if I do post one and yeah, feel free to share them because we're, again, we're looking for the best people. And just because the job description says something that maybe that's not your, your background, don't be afraid to apply because passion means a lot to, to this company. And if you're passionate about fishing and you want to be in the industry, don't hesitate to, to try to get a job here with us. That's great. And I'll post folks for listening to this, uh, the links to some of the baits that we talked about today that Dan talked about and, uh, Dan, where can more fo- or folks hear more about you? Um, basically you can check me out on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. Um, I post a lot of different things about what we're doing um, in terms of products, trade shows, or just follow me on everyday adventures of, of fishing and hunting. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for being here. All right. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate it. You see, guys and gals, dreams do come true. Childhood dreams. So whatever you're doing, if you're you know, a kid listening to this and your mom and dad are saying, you know, you're wasting your time crafting or doing whatever you love to do, it just goes to show that if you stick to it, you can land a job doing what you love to do, like Dan did, making baits as a kid and, you know, and landed him a, his dream job. So make sure you guys go out and check out some of those baits that we just talked about, like the the Berkeley Hijacker or the um, the Cutter Shallow 90 Plus bait that he talked about, that rip bait. And uh, let us know how you guys do with those. And th- those are some uh, baits that I think that I'm also going to try out as well. And uh, it was great that Dan shared all that information on how to fish them and uh, gave us some tips and tricks of uh, what we should be on, on the lookout for. So remember, guys, go follow Dan Spangler and then check out Berkeley Baits. You know, follow me on social media as always. Head on over to the Facebook page over at Freshwater Bite Podcast. And um, if you haven't done so, you know, people ask me sometimes, like, how do we know when your episodes are coming out? If you just subscribe on either Spotify or iTunes or something like that, or follow me on social, you'll know when they come out. And if you download, um, or I'm sorry, the episodes will automatically download if you are subscribed to the podcast. In the meantime, though, folks, as always, 
thank you for being here and thank you for listening.